But curiously, uh, it can be an advantage to be quite happy in order to investigate suffering. Because as they say, the fish may not be aware of water because he's always in that. So similar, if we are completely overwhelmed by suffering, by pain and uh, misery, it may be extremely difficult to really investigate it. Now that is why in the subhuman realms of rebirth, in particular for the hungry ghost and in hell, it's actually extremely difficult to practice. The suffering is just too much. On the other hand, curiously, in the samadhi, where the mind can experience a great rapture and bliss and a considerable amount of freedom from suffering, can be a very good basis from that stability, from that vantage point, and then to look at Dukkha. So when we start our meditation, Maybe you're not going into a posture which is particularly painful. We try, try to sit comfortable and at ease, now alert and upright, but at the same time uh, relaxed and at ease. When we look at Dukkha, we can notice a lot of our Dukkha is actually in the past and future. Oh dear, what they did to me and how unfair and how mean. All in the past. What may happen to me. All in the future, fears and anxieties. So let us apply you know, the Four Noble Truths straight away in our meditation, even when we are settling in. What we can see quickly, the mind going into the future, going into the past, this is a cause for dukkha. Yes, the moment we can settle down in the present moment. There's usually a considerable amount of 
freedom from dukkha. In one exception, as if someone has gotten a, a strong chronic pain condition, then of course there is also considerable physical pain in the present moment. But if that is not the case, then most people in uh, wealthy societies like ours, and at least as we are not having any chronic pain conditions, in the present moment we can find great freedom from suffering already, from uh, major forms of suffering. So we are using the breath as our meditation object, as the anchor. We're simply experiencing the in-breath, feeling the out-breath, carefully observing the in-breath, and being conscious of the out-breath, feeling, experiencing each in-breath, each out-breath. But at the same time, we are alert for the Four Noble Truths. What pulls us away from the breath is usually some form of craving. And it may go on into past and future. So the task is to notice that following this craving and going into the past or the future is actually another cause of suffering.
our mind quite naturally wants to get away from suffering and wants to be happy and free from suffering, from dukkha, so we can put that to good use. And what we have to see is the connection. We have to see with complete clarity, running off into the future, before long our peace is completely disturbed. It may look attractive, alluring to plan something and to work it out and to fantasize. But after a while we notice and we're losing all the peace of calm of the present moment. And just clearly seeing that will induce the mind not to do it. That's the whole point of the Four Noble Truths, to establish clearly for our mind, aha, this is causing suffering. And the moment we see that, the mind will shrink away naturally. The same with the past. With this urge, desire, and trying to mull it over and work it out and relive what happened. But we have to see that doing so is much inferior to the happiness we can have in the present moment here and now. The moment we see even that going away from the present moment leads us into more dukkha. The mind is quite content to stay in the present moment.
remember one teacher encouraging people to see the, the dukkha in breathing. I wouldn't recommend that one because in order to settle down on our main meditation object, we have to see it as really soothing and pleasant and joyful. So I, I don't think it's very wise to investigate a dukkha in breath meditation directly applied to the breath. But I would recommend uh, apply it to thinking. With another great alluring thing that we this craving to think and this false hope that the thinking will bring us happiness or free us from dukkha. So let's watch whether it's actually true. Let's compare what is the path into more dukkha and what is the path out of dukkha? Thinking or just quiet? Can we observe that, how the mind getting lost in thinking and proliferation is getting lost in more dukkha? And how the mind quietly settling down on the breath There's reducing dukkha. And again, uh, seeing that is usually extremely effective for making the mind staying still. As the mind understands it now, directly. All this thinking is just giving me a headache, it's just making things worse. The mind understands settling down quietly on the breath is a way out of dukkha, and then the mind is happy to just stay there.
We can look at the five hindrances. In terms of the Four Noble Truths. Can we notice how any in the form of sensual desire, sensual interest is promising us uh, happiness? And many people use sensuality in the trying to smother their dukkha with some pleasant sensation. So can we observe that carefully? Or some little sensual thought is forming, some image maybe appearing, and the mind going for that and believing this is a way out of Dukkha, this is a way into happiness. And can we then notice how actually it's not it's a way into a more docker. Can we observe how the abandonment of sensuality and the settling down in letting go and staying with the breath is actually superior and less docker? And that is one way also of overcoming sensual desire, karma chanda, by seeing that it leads us into dukkha, that it's a samudaya, it's not niroda, it is part of you know, the arising, the cause, the origin of dukkha. It's not part of ending and ceasing of dukkha. And again, once the mind can see that, it doesn't want to go there. Now, how about evil, anger, aversion? Curiously, you know, that can also look promising sometimes to go into that. But that is one of the easiest to notice. It's actually not giving happiness, it's just modoka. Yeah, things are exceptionally uh, easy to notice. But still, sometimes you know, we can get tricked by Mava into believing that going into this aversion, anger, 
will give us some happiness or something. So we just observe and quickly notice any form of ill will aversion. We are the very first person to suffer from it right now and here. And the mind doesn't want to go there. On the other hand, a very tricky one is the tiredness, laziness, and uh, the whole tendency to black out, to lose consciousness, to be not aware, to go to sleep. That is much more difficult to see. In particular, once the mind goes in that direction, that it's losing the ability to clearly see because it's going slowly to sleep. So we have to observe that very sharply. And if we are in this um, drowsy, half-awake, sleepy state, or that may feel quite nice and quite a bit of coarser dukkha, maybe not apparent in that state. We have to compare it with the time when our mind was really awake, alert and bright. If you do that, then it's immediate apparent that the bright, alert state of putting forth effort and knowing and being awake is better. Less to go.
that can be very deceptive. You know, this slowly dozing off can be appear so nice, and and of course, you know, if we are unconscious or at sleep, for that time that we don't really experience much dukkha. At least we can see that a bright alert state is still far superior. Restlessness, remorse, regret, the fidgeting that is easier to recognize. The moment we go into restlessness, we can observe now how dukkha increases. As the moment we can quietly settle down, uh, this is uh, going out of dukkha.
very pernicious can be doubt, vichikicca. These five hindrances become more refined as you move from one, two, and then three, four, five, more refined. Doubt is a very um, a clever trick by Mara. The promise is, uh, I have this doubt, and I saw, oh, now I have to work it out, and then I'm free from the dukkha. So Mara throws us a kind of bait, a doubtful question, and then we think, oh, as long as that isn't resolved, now I have dukkha, I'm not at ease. And so when we start trying to resolve that, and that often these questions cannot be resolved in the way we have been tricked into them, and just goes from one to the other, and the doubt becomes worse the more we think about it. Because it may be something that can't be cracked or resolved by thinking that is still influenced by the hindrances and defilements. So we have to see through that trick. have to understand when Mava is presenting this question, this doubt, putting this doubt into our mind, that now taking that up and trying to resolve it by thinking it out is actually enmeshing us into more doubt, like an insect being caught in a spider web and then from struggling getting even more caught by thinking and trying to resolve the doubt by just the thinking mind. If it was one of these smart questions or doubtful matters that Mama has presented to us, it just gets worse. On the other hand, if you notice if you abandon doubt, if you let go of doubt and settle down, this is a way out of We train our mind to see, to understand past, future, more pain, present moment, freedom from pain. Thinking, proliferating, more pain, more suffering, calming down the thinking mind, less suffering. Central desire enmeshing us in misery, letting go, getting us out of misery.
anger, painful, non-anger, free from pain. Tired, dozy, feels nice, but a very inferior happiness. Bright, radiant, aware, much superior form of happiness. Restless and remorse is a way to disappointment. Freedom from remorse and calm, the way out of Dukkha. Finally doubt and mulling over all these doubtful questions with a thinking mind without samadhi just enmeshing us into more doubt and despair and letting go from doubt, letting go of doubt and settling down the way out of suffering. And when we can do that, the mind will find it quite easy to settle down on the path to experience joy, rapture, happiness and bliss into a unifying samadhi. <laughs> <laughs>